the book of Joel, and, and let's look at chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 21 through 23. And we've, we've sort of adopted this theme for Wednesday nights, just whatever the Spirit of God wants to do. You know, call it what you may want, you know, revival meeting or Holy Ghost meeting. And sometimes in these kinds of meetings, you know, you'll teach, sometimes you'll preach, sometimes you'll just run the aisles and shout and praise God all night. Other times, you know, you just, uh, you just, you just got to stay open to the Holy Spirit, right? And so that's what we want to do. So, Father, as we break bread together tonight, we open our hearts and we ask you, sir, to, to minister to these, your precious people. Father, I pray that you'd give me utterance to say things tonight that should be said. And, Lord, I give you glory and give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Job, Joel chapter 2, verse 21, he says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do what kind of things? So we believe that the Lord will do some great things here in this year, right? Even in this week, why not? Verse 23, he says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. So the theme here then in these first two verses are some rejoicing needs to take place. Now, what do we rejoice about? Well, number one, he will do great things. And then, for he has given you the former rain moderately... And he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. So when, it, when the Bible talks about rain here, it's talking about literal rain, but it's also talking a, about the rain of the Holy Spirit and how that God moved mightily in the Old Covenant. And we see here that the scripture describes it as the former rain was given moderately. That means mildly. That means temperately. It means it was toned down. Now, I don't think that I call Jericho's walls falling something moderate. I don't think that, you know, the Red Sea parting was moderate. I don't think that axe heads floating, you know, we would kind of look at moderate, and yet the Bible says it's moderate. Well, if uh, he did some things like that in the old, then we better just fasten our seatbelts. He, he's fixing to do some, and is really doing, some awesome things. I think I need to get that out of my vocabulary. He's fixing to do. He is doing it right now. Right? Okay. That keeps us in the area of faith, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Say it with me. God is doing great things, doing great things. Right, now. right now. Now, look at, at Haggai chapter 2. And uh, notice with me uh, a verse here in Haggai, the second chapter, in the ninth verse. And, of course, the former reign, Old Covenant, uh, the latter reign is the reign that we're in right now in this new covenant, in this dispensation of grace that we are in. He says in Haggai 2.9, the glory of this latter house shall be what? Greater. Everyone say greater. Greater, greater than of the former. Yeah. The Lord is speaking to us. And in this place, he says, I will give, I will give peace. And so we can see here very simply that he is reserved for this latter house greater glory. Now, this latter house that the Bible describes is not a building. This latter house that he's describing is 
really the body of Christ. We are temples of the living God. We are God's house, if you will, in the earth, right? And, uh, you know, Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says, what, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We could say it this way, the Spirit of glory, yes. amen, yes. dwells in us. Man, let's try that on for size and say it together with me. The Spirit of glory, Spirit of glory. is living on the inside, on the inside. of me. For my body body is the temple temple of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, let's bring it a step further. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 26 and 27. Uh, This might seem elementary to some of you. Perhaps it might be a little bit. But I do know this, that faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. And so I think we need to currently be hearing what God is saying uh, to our hearts. In Colossians 1, 26, 27, Paul's addressing the church at Colossae. The church at Colossae was very, very well known for Gnosticism. It was very well known for philo- philosophical traditions. And it was a very heady church. And he says, now, the mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from many generations... But now this mystery is revealed or it is made manifest to who? To his saints. Okay? And that's not just talking about St. Paul or, you know, St. Mark. Um, If your name is Barney, it's talking about St. Barney. (laughs) Now, you may be acting like an ain't, but according to the word of God, you is a saint. Okay? Now, notice in verse 27. He says, to whom God would make known. So this is something that he wants us to see and to realize. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Read the rest with me. Which is Christ in you, the expectation of greater glory. Now, you have Christ in you. I have Christ in me, and corporately, as a body, we make up a corporate body of Christ. And so then, when we begin to operate as temples of God and living our lives right before Him, we can expect great glory in the day in which you and I live. As a matter of fact, we are called to glory. Well, what is glory? Well, glory basically is the manifest presence of God. Um, I think that the Hebrew word for glory is kabod, which means to be heavy with everything good. Um, When the glory showed up at the dedication of the temple... Um, the Shekinah glory came in so strong, his presence was so strong, that when that body was in one accord and they were praising him because of his great mercy, and they lifted up their voice to God and they played their instruments before God, that at the dedication of the temple, the Bible says, the whole house was filled with the presence of God. The whole house was filled with the Shekinah glory of God. It was so strong in there 
that the priest couldn't even stand up to minister. I'm looking forward to those days where I can't even get in the pulpit. Because I'm so drunk. And I'm not talking about drunk on Jack Daniels. I'm talking about being drunk in the Holy Ghost. Which is a big difference. All right? So we are called to glory. We are carriers of his presence. Amen. Now, in, uh, let me quote this to you. He says, in 1 Thessalonians 2.12, he says, That you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and his glory. And then 2 Peter 1, it says, According as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to the life and godliness, that through the knowledge of him, that he has called us to glory and virtue. Say it will be real strong. I'm called called. to manifest his glory, to manifest his goodness, to manifest his grace, to manifest his love to people around, to everyone around me. That's awesome. And man, does the world need Jesus? Does the world need the presence of God? I mean, people are looking and searching for answers. And, of course, some of them were like me. They sought for answers in, in uh, things that they shouldn't have been looking for them in, like in drugs and different things like that. I have friends that went to uh, the uh, country of India, and they were searching uh, for the answer, and they'd hooked up with, you know, Maharishi Mishmash or whatever. And, you know, tried to find the answer there. I can remember when I was in treatment, you know, I'd been blowing my mind for years and years and years on drugs and heroin and all that junky stuff. And, uh, boy, you know, I, I got off the drugs for a couple of weeks and I was kind of like Tiny Tim. I felt like I was tiptoeing through the tulips and I, and I thought, you know, I'm going to find God in nature. Well, you don't find God in nature. You can see him in nature. <laughs> but Jesus is the answer, right? I don't know how we got off on all that. Phew. So the work of redemption, I'm glad I got saved. I'm just, I'm glad I got saved. Man, if I got saved, I've been in hell about 40 years by now. My goodness. And uh, some of you would have been down there too. But thank God, aren't you glad you're born again? So the work of redemption is not just so we can go to heaven when we die. But so that he can move in us while we're here on earth. And so that we could be mobile houses, if you will, for the presence of God. And to be a blessing to whatever generation we're in. Amen. Man, people need hope. People need encouragement. People need the love of God. You know, I think I'm just going to bust out and sing what the world needs now. All right, turn with me to John 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12, is love, sweet love. That's back in the 70s, so if you don't get it, don't even try. John 14, verse 12. I'm just going to talk to you for a while tonight. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, so we believe that he's real, right? Yeah. And we believe that he's really good, too. Okay? He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And what kind of works? 
Well, greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. So this theme then of greater glory and then greater works, they go together. So there are greater works to be done in this day because the glory of God is greater. The presence of God is greater. Amen? Amen. And, you know, I mean, you can't get much better than getting people saved. Amen. I mean, that, that's, that's a work of the Lord right there. Amen? And it's awesome to, to, to see people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's awesome to, people, to see people getting raised up out of sin and, and, and getting on with their lives and God touching their bodies and, and healing them. That's, that's a wonderful thing. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, we kind of get so used to the church atmosphere that we kind of talk Christianese and um, we, we, we sort of you know, do church the way that we do church. And I'm not knocking that. I, I believe we've got a great church. But I think we need to step outside of ourselves and start looking at the harvest a little bit more. And just asking ourselves, what can we do to reach that person for Jesus? How, how can I be a blessing? What does that person need in their life? You know, people don't always need you just to come over to their house and hit them with your Bible. I mean, they may need to be hit with a plate of cookies or something, you know, or they, they may need to be hit up with you mowing their lawn, just being a good person to them, right? And, and so we need to, in this year, and, and I'm working a lot on Vision 2015, so I've got so much in my heart right now, but, but as a church, we really need to, to, to move in the area of let's go fishing, let, what do you say we go fishing? Amen. You know, Jesus said, he said, if you follow me, I'm going to make you, what? I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You know, and, and I think what happens sometimes in, in Christianity is people want to be made rich. You know, they want to be made healed. They want to be made this. They want to be made that. But I believe the number one thing that God wants to make us is fishers of men. Yeah. You know, if really, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his way of being and doing right, then, you know, all these other things will be added to us. Is that right? And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I'm anointed to preach this. I'm not necessarily anointed to live it. Just ask Brenda that. Some of you missed that. But uh, I think we're just coming up. God's making, making us more aware, more keenly aware of the harvest that's around us. Amen? Amen? So now look at Psalm 48, verse 1. On the way over, say this with me. Greater works in the greater glory. Okay, Psalm 48, verse 1. Man, who's up there tonight? You're doing good. Who, who is up there? You're really fast. Who is it? It's grace. it's grace, sure, it's grace. How could you be slow with a name like Grace? His, gra- his grace is sufficient for us. All right, Psalms 40. Is that you, Richie? Hey, Richie. What's up? All right, Psalm 48. Psalm 48, I'm glad I'm not trying out for a church tonight. I don't think I'd pass the test. 
I think if you voted on me tonight, I'd flunk and you'd kick me out. Psalm 48, 1. Great is what? Is he great or is he great? We serve a great God, greater glory, great times, greater works, great is the Lord. And how should he be praised? So he's great and we should be greatly praising him in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. I heard this about a year ago when I kicked off 2014 with the theme of greater glory. I heard this from uh, Jerry Savelle, and I like what he said about this. Let me quote it. He said, praising him greatly is a seed that you sow for him to do greater things. Say that again. Praising him greatly is like a seed that you sow for him to do greater things. He receives this praise as a seed and the harvest that we receive is greater things. Greater things. All right? Let's take a praise break and let's just give him praise. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Master. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, and uh, let's look over at verse 7, beginning in verse 7, excuse me, in the Amplified Version, if we could. I'm going to the Black Bear Diner after church. I've been singing it all day. Black Bear Diner. But I might go to Olive Garden. You don't really care, do you? All right. 2 Corinthians 3, (laughs) verse 7. Talking about old and new, old and new. Verse 7. Now, if the dispensation of death engraved in letters on stone, the ministration of the law was inaugurated with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its brilliance. Everyone say brilliance. That's Shekinah. A glory that was not to fade and pass away. Verse 8. Why should not then the dispensation of the Spirit, in other words, the age of the Spirit, the age of grace that we're in right now, this spiritual ministry whose task is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit, be attended with what? Much greater and more splendid glory. All right? So we could say then the glory of the new covenant is greater than the glory of the old covenant. Now let's track it on into uh, verse 8 in the, uh, well, verse 9. You can pull verse 9 up there. Rich, if you would. But I love what the NLT says about verse 8. He said, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under this new way now that the Holy Spirit has given life? 
What do you say we don't go backwards, let's go forward? The Living Bible says, Shall we not expect far greater glory in these days when the Holy Spirit is giving life? Now, verse 9. For if the service that condemns the ministration of doom had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous. Amen. The ministry that produces and fosters righteous living and what? Now, when you get a revelation that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, it will foster right living and right standing with God. Amen. Let's go on to verse 10. Indeed, in view of this fact, what once had splendor, the glory of the law in the face of Moses has come to have no splendor at all because the overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels it, the glory of the gospel, is in the face of who? In the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 11. Verse 11 says, For if that which was but passing and fading away came with splendor, how much more must that which remains and is permanent Abide in glory and splendor. Man, that's shouting ground right there. Look at verse 12. Since we have such glorious hope, Christ in you, the hope of what? Such joyful and confident expectation. We speak freely and openly and fearlessly. Verse 13. Now or do we act like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing splendor which had been upon it. Verse 14. In fact, their minds were grown hard and calloused. They'd become dull and had lost the power of understanding. For until this present day when the Old Testament, the Old Covenant is being read, that same veil still lies on their hearts, not being lifted to reveal that in Christ it is made void and done away. Verse 15. Yes, down to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their minds and hearts. Verse 16. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, I said, whenever a person turns, what? The veil is stripped off and taken away. And basically translating it like this. Once you were blind, but now you see. Once you lived in darkness, but now you have the light. Once you were defeated, but now you have victory. Once you were very discouraged, but because the veil has been taken away, you are encouraged and strengthened by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory. Amen. Once you were an old, beat-up sinner, but now you're a brand new creation. Is that good news? Look at verse 17. Man. If I had shouting clothes, I'd have worn them tonight. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where is the Spirit of the Lord? The Spirit of the Lord is in me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, and... So we are free. 
No more condemnation. No more fear. No more insecurities. We are free. Now I want you to read verse 18 like you really, really believe it. Ready? Read. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into His very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes... From glory to glory, He's changing me. I'm being changed. You're being transfigured. You're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this comes as you continue to behold Him. He's the Lord of glory. If you want to be more like Him, behold Him. Pattern your life after Him. Look how he lived. Look how he loved. Look how he treated people. And when he comes, you're going to be more like him than you ever have before. Because we are progressively being changed. Amen? From day to day, year to year, decade to decade, we're becoming just like him. And really, that's what Christianity is all about, is to be just like Him. I think there's a scripture in one of the Gospels where it says, it is enough for the disciple to be like his master. Amen. You know, thank God for people, and we can follow people as they follow Christ, but no man is worthy of our place in heart secondarily. God is number one. Amen. No person should be number one in our lives. Amen. Amen. So this, this presence, this glory, has a purpose. And so let's look at just a few of these tonight. What does His glory do? Well, one thing that the glory of God will do, it raises, it quickens, and it heals. Look at Romans 8.11. It raises, it quickens, and it heals. Okay? We just found out that the glory changes us, Right? But it also quickens, it raises, and it heals. Thank you, Lord. Have you ever needed a touch in your body? Yes. Like every day. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, you know, you do know that there's enough bacteria in your body probably to kill you just like that. But God's keeping you. Amen. God's keeping you. Yeah. Right? God will quicken you. He'll quicken your mortal body. In uh, Romans 8, 11, it says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken, heal, or make alive your mortal bodies by His Spirit, the Spirit of glory that lives in you. Okay? So if you need a quickening tonight, we'll pray for a quickening for you. How many of you have ever just needed a quickening? Um, There's times where I I need a quickening in my mind. (laughs) You know, I've, I'm, I've, I've got a lot to do, and maybe I'm leaning more on my, my intellect than I'm leaning on Him, and maybe not acknowledging Him. And how many of you know your, your, your mind and your brain just can't, cannot produce what, what it needs to produce spiritually? 
And, and, and so God will quicken your soul. He'll quicken your mind. But here's something else that he will do. He will also make you strong spiritually. He will strengthen you in your inner man. So this glory, this presence, this greater glory will strengthen us. Now how do I know that? Well, I know that because Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. And he prayed that God would grant them out of the rich treasury of his glory. To be strengthened with mighty power in the inner man. By the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. That's awesome. Think about it. It is not the weak spirit of a man that will sustain him or her in his infirmity. But it is the strong spirit of a man that will sustain you and cause you to make it through some difficult times. And we do face difficulties, do we not? We do face challenges, do we not? But oh, thank God for the inner strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. Strengthen me, Lord, I pray, in the inner man. You see, if you faint in the day of adversity, you know, all know what the day of adversity is, don't you? If you faint in the day of adversity, the scripture says your strength is small. Right? So we want then to partake of this glorious strength that is available through the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory. Lay your hands right here on your, on your uh, middle part and say, Father, in the name of Jesus... I'm asking you, sir, out of the rich treasury of your glory, that you would strengthen me in my spirit. I pray, Lord God, that I would have the richest measure of your divine presence and become a person that is wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I just say, I believe that I receive strength for my life. Strength for my journey. Strength in my heart. And then strength in my soul. Here's what else I've found. And we're not going to talk much longer tonight. But here's what else I've found is this. Is that his glory... His presence will rest on you in a difficult time. In a difficult time. How many of you ever had a loved one go on to be with the Lord and they're in heaven today? Amen? Several of you. Now, have you not been in a situation where it's almost unexplainable but a presence from another world came upon you and brought you comfort way out beyond your natural understanding. Now we miss our loved ones. We love our loved ones. But we do know where our loved ones are. So in that sense, we haven't lost them because we know that we're going to them someday, right? And yet there's this, there's this feeling of missing them and you know, you'd love for them to be there with you in all these different occasions of life. But even in those times, we can draw 
great comfort from the Holy Spirit. We can draw great comfort from the God of glory. Amen? And uh, so, in a difficult time, in a, in a challenging time in your life, let me just, let me say something to you about that. Um, the scripture talks about that if you be reproached for the name of Christ, he says, you can be happy for the spirit of glory and the spirit of God will rest upon you. Okay? I mean, even when you're challenged, maybe you're challenged on the job, or maybe someone has told a lie on you, or, you know, something you've been accused wrongly, you've been reproached. You can expect the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory to rest on you, to come upon you, and to enable you to go through that situation and come out on the other side of it without even the smell of smoke on you. (laughs) Say it with me, the Spirit of God God. and the Spirit of glory glory. rests on me. So life can be difficult. We all face problems and challenges, but... The presence of a problem never, ever trumps the presence of God. Now listen to this statement. I read this a year ago in my sermon in the beginning of the year. Listen to this. The presence that makes a difference for your victory, for your rest, is not the absence of the enemy. It is not the absence of the problems or the pressures or the people, but the presence that makes a difference in those challenging times, it is the presence of God. You know, as long as we're here on this earth, we're in the presence of our enemies. But the presence of God in us is greater than the presence of the enemy around us and literally under us. Amen? Amen. He prepares a table before you and before me in the presence of our enemies. So if you're waiting for everything to be perfect before you're happy, you might as well just get happy now because everything never going to be perfect. It's not the way that this world system is designed. Okay? So it is, it is his manifest presence that makes a difference. And then in closing, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. And I'm going to, let's read it from the Amplified Richie and Grace. Please, thanks. Didn't say that, but let's do that. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light momentary affliction, sometimes it doesn't seem so light, this slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations It is a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. So here's what we need to do when we come up against these afflictions 
not take them so seriously, number one. But secondly, know this, that they are only seasonal. They are only temporary. And these light afflictions are subject to change. I said it's subject to change. It has an expiration date on it. Right? So you just keep your neck outstretched, looking unto Him. Stay hopeful. Stay expectant. And know this, that behind every, every great affliction is greater glory. His presence is greater than the attack. His presence is greater than the disease. Let's all stand up. You get anything out of that tonight? Praise the Lord. Thank you.